Hey friends, welcome to the Mosaic Podcast. I'm Shannon Leibold, and I'm here with my co-host Lynn Martin, and we're so glad you've joined us. This is a podcast for the women of Wallenstein Bible Chapel and beyond. It's a space where we celebrate how God is turning brokenness into beauty. Each week, we chat with a guest and share stories from our own lives. As Ephesians 2.10 says, we are God's masterpiece, His work of art, and He's shaping us into something beautiful in Christ. Welcome to episode 58 of the Mosaic Podcast. I'm your host, Lynn. And I'm Shannon. And once again, we just say welcome to all of you who are listening, whether you're listening on the Friday that it drops or if you're listening weeks and weeks later. Um, we have an episode for you that we are very honored that you are pausing in your your life to listen to. We are in a series right now. We are starting the second episode on a series um, that we have called Truth or Lie. And we are uh, reading through the book, Live Your Truth and Other Lies, uh, exploring, no, sorry, exposing popular deceptions that make us anxious, exhausted, and self-obsessed. And that's by Elisa Childers. So we have a really great packed episode for you today. We're excited to have you listen in. Um, We are looking forward a little later to having Helena Schmidt join us. She is a a new to me face. I have not formally actually met her as of yet and um, and yet I have heard little bits of her story and um, just we want to let you know that her story is uh, a beautiful one as all of our stories are Uh, but you may want to uh, make sure that you're aware of who's listening um, in as you listen because um, some of her story is a little more vulnerable and um, yeah if you if you have children nearby you just might want to make sure that um, you listen to it before beforehand to see if you think it's something that they would should listen to so that's some housekeeping stuff for our episode today um, it is September, and as we record, it is not September. And so we were kind of, Shannon and I, just sort of thinking into what September is going to look like. And we both have um, something big happening in our lives. Um, do you want to tell us? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we are going back to school. We are going to seminary, Heritage Bible College and Seminary, and we are pursuing a graduate certificate in theological studies. So I imagine right now, if you were to come up to us today, we might be a little stressed and be neck deep in some textbooks and lots of reading. Um, but we're, uh, I don't know about you, Lynn, but I'm excited. I, I really want this school experience um, to open my eyes to the glory of who God is. I just want... Um, my theological knowledge to impact my love for Jesus and I want to love him more that's what I want yeah that's that's really well said and you you actually said really early on in the process when we were sort of talking about this possibility of going to school and that we both wanted to and we were so um it, it we just so many things happened to bring um for God to bring together for each of us. And you were so excited about the fact that we would be doing it together, like the idea of having a friend there. Mm -hmm. And I just want to concur with that so much because I know walking into the classroom is going to be nerve-wracking or 
has been nerve wracking, but it is totally, I'm not nervous at all thinking about it because I know you're mm-hmm. going to be there. It just totally changes the dynamic. Yeah. Um, Fun to do it together. very, very thrilling that God has created that. So that's what we're up to. We'd love to know what you guys are up to too. So please talk to us t- um, when you see us because we want to know what's happening in your lives. So we are going to get into the book, but I thought it would be fun because this book is about um, what are the things that are true and what are the things that are false and, and exposing some of those thoughts and sayings that are actually not true. And so I thought just for fun, I'm going to um, give some true or false statements to you, Shannon, and you can do the same to me and we'll, <laughs> and we'll see how we do. Okay. So first one, true or false? It's possible to sneeze with your eyes open. Oh, false. No, it is true. Oh. (laughs) But it's very difficult to do because closing your eyes is a protective reflex for your body. Okay. There you go. There you go. Um, Okay. An astronaut once smuggled a corned beef sandwich into space. True or false? False. That is true. Oh. (laughs) I'm not doing so well. You are struggling a little bit. That's okay. Uh, I'll give you one more. The Grand Canyon is larger than the state of Rhode Island. True or false? True. Yes, that's true. All right. So now I have to have some too because it's only fair. (laughs) That's right. Okay. Here we go. True or false? Scientists think it rains diamonds on Neptune. I think that must be true. Yeah, it's true. That's (laughs) That's crazy. (laughs) That would be very painful. Yeah, yeah, it would be. <laughs> true or false, a family doctor invented cotton candy. Okay, true confessions. I actually read this one. Oh, okay. <laughs> so I know that it's false because it was actually a dentist. A dentist, that's crazy. <laughs> um, true or false, if you throw boiling water into warm air, it can make it snow. If you throw boiling water into warm air it can make it snow no that's false false but if you throw boiling water into cold air it can and i've seen that done really up in shining tree where my in-laws live they do that when it gets minus 45 you toss water up into air and it just crystallizes into snow oh i really want to do that but not for a very long time. no not now (laughs) i need it to be i don't want it to be cold for a while but cool all right that was fun yeah so that's just a nice little fun preamble into this book that we are doing. We, um, the last time we talked about, um, well, we talked a lot about the importance of how there's so many voices going on, like, you know, through um, different social media and all those things that get all the bad rap, but that there is a lot of talking going on and it's really confusing to know what is true. We talked about the phrase that is the title of this book, Live Your Truth, and how that is not correct. And now today we're going to talk about three different phrases. The first one, actually I'm going to list, say them all and I'm going to ask you, Shannon, uh, just like as you as you started to read this, what were your initial thoughts? So here they are. The first one is you are enough. The second one is you should put yourself first. And the third one we're going to talk about is authenticity is everything. So yeah, tell me like your initial just, did those seem wrong to you? Did you have questions? Yeah, I think the first two, you are enough and you should put yourself first. I immediately 
realized were lies. The third one, authenticity is everything, I wondered about because we talk about as Christians being authentic and being transparent and being vulnerable. So yeah, I wasn't sure how she would handle that one. Right. That's good. Um, I, I actually really wondered about the, you should put yourself first one. I knew it was wrong, but I also thought this is a dangerous one because you, you also can't just become sort of the martyr to life either. Right. And so what, where is that balance? So we're going to talk about some of those things, um, as we go. So the first one, which the title chapter four is called popsicles. She has a nice little story about popsicles. Um, but the phrase you are enough, is that true? And, and I think we would say anyone, and she goes on into a nice story about when she was pregnant and having, a a young baby. And if you didn't know before you have kids, you just know you're not enough <laughs> when you do have kids. That's right. So um, I feel like this is one that we maybe know, but we think we should be enough. Yeah, yeah. We we are. We want to be all things to all people, but we can't. Yeah, and so say that again because we need to say that. <laughs> I need to hear it yeah. again. <laughs> We want to be all things to all people, but we can't. We will exhaust ourselves trying. We really will. Um, she says, you are enough is a message that enslaves people to the false idea that they are responsible to be the mastermind of their current circumstances and future realities, even when they feel overwhelmed. So it burdens them with the obligation of being the source of their own joy, contentment, and peace. And I, I resonate with that. I feel like that when I'm trying to be to be enough. This is one I definitely struggle with. Mm -hmm. I should be able to do all the things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and she goes on to say, realizing that you're not enough is actually the best news ever because Jesus is enough, and that's enough for us. Right, and that is the important thing. That That's what makes the statement true. Um she, I really appreciate, she says the problem with the phrase you are enough is that it's based on the assumption that people are basically good. And and so that's where we need to actually pause and think about this from a, a scriptural standpoint. Are we basically good? Mm. And, and we're not. Um, she says, though, that according to some recent research that 81% of 2,000 Americans surveyed believe that they are inherently good. So I wonder if you should ask ask yourself as you're listening, um, do you think you're inherently good? Because um, if you do, that we need you to know that that is actually contrary to what God has to say. Because mm -hmm. we're all born with a sin nature. We We sin because we're sinners. We're not sinners because we sin. And that's an important distinction. It's important. And um, it's not that God made a mistake, but he did. He created us in our in his image. He created us, you know, male and female. But then sin did enter the world. And since then, this sin nature is a part of us. And, and that is who we are. So some phrases that are really struggling, are, are really uh, concerning, especially because some of these phrases come from people who are um, would be considered good Christian 
writers, speakers. Um, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to say some of these and, and just see if you agree with these. Uh, um, and Shannon, feel free to comment. So one of them is, I'm exactly enough. Hmm. Another one is, you deserve goodness. Yeah, that's pervasive in our culture. Really pervasive. And it is pervasive. It comes into the church circles too, like into, mm-hmm. you know, we have to be careful what we're listening to and reading. Just because someone says they're a Christian doesn't mean that they are speaking truth. Mm-hmm. Um, the other one is, I studied the gospel and finally grasped the divine knowledge that I am loved and worthy and enough as I am. Mm-hmm. But yeah, but God doesn't want to leave us as we are. He, his, his mission is to transform us and conform us into the image of Christ. Yes, he loves us, but he loves us enough not to leave us where we are and who we are. Yeah, so the reality is you're not enough. Yeah. Uh, Jesus is enough. Um, he covered our not enoughness. <laughs> It's a great words with his enoughness to make us enough mm-hmm. before God. Mm-hmm. So that is that chapter. Is there anything you want to add to that? I like when she said just very directly, uh, whether we win or lose, find happiness or suffering in this life, crush our career goals or wind up homeless, we can achieve the purpose for which we were created, finding peace with God, worshiping him and enjoying him forever. You will never be good enough, smart enough, ambitious enough, athletic enough, disciplined enough, strong enough, gracious enough, loving enough, honest enough, gifted enough, tough enough, gentle enough, talented enough, or dedicated enough. You are not enough. And <laughs> that's just that just says it right there, um, very directly. And you it should be enough. encouraging. Yeah. Because... I think we put ourselves so much pressure on ourselves to do more, be more. Mm -hmm. So that leads us into the next chapter, um, which she entitled Armageddon because she tells the story about uh, the movie Armageddon, um, which is sort of one of those life or death situations where one man ends up giving his life to save the entire universe, um, which that story which is something that we love and there's so many stories like that the good stories that that is one of those good stories um it goes against what this phrase is that we have heard again and again and again in our culture which is you should put yourself first mm-hmm. yeah because all those great movies and stories are about someone who sacrifices themselves whether it's their very lives or their time or whatever resources um, for for the good of others, and that's that's Christ. That's the message of the gospel. And so it, it would be terrible if if the person in Armageddon decided, no, I don't want to save the universe. I want to save my own life. Yeah, and and no one would watch that movie. No, <laughs> because no. it would be it just we would not we would know that this is silly. This is so self absorbed and and yet we fall into it so easily because that is you know um we have an entire genre of books called self-help books Mm -hmm. it is all about um putting yourself first fixing yourself doing all those things and not that we aren't supposed to do those things in the sense of we are to care for ourselves um but she actually shares her her own personal story where she kind of went from one extreme to the other where she cared for herself um, to the point of 
harming herself and then didn't care about herself to the point of harming herself. So both extremes are uh, are ridden with danger um, because when you're dealing with self, um, she quotes this, the self can't be both the problem and the solution. If our problem is that we're insecure or unfulfilled, we're not going to be able to find the antidote to these things in the same place that our insecurities and fear are coming from. Mm -hmm. I thought that was really good. Mm -hmm. And there's a line, like you were talking about earlier, Lynn, um, this idea of self-care. You know, it's good and right to take care of our minds and our bodies and to steward what God has given us. But I think our culture talks a lot about self-care, and I think it crosses a line that's not healthy because we are actually to pour out our lives for other people we are not to pamper and coddle and you know treat ourselves all the time that's not the model of christ yeah and i i'm convicted of this and that's why i said earlier i i struggle with this one because there is a place where rest is important. You know, we've talked yeah. about that. God provides Sabbath for us, which should be a, a weekly thing. Um, and I would call that self-care in a way. Um, but that's been mandated by God because there is there, we do need to be healthy. That is important. But, yeah, it's totally counter-scriptural to, to think that we deserve anything. Mm-hmm. Maybe Maybe that's what it is. Yeah, and we can stay in that place of self-care far too long. Like, okay, you've taken care of yourself. Now go serve someone. <laughs> yeah, or or just that it's our mindset. Like if we're thinking about ourselves so much, that means we don't have space to think about others because yeah. we're so much thinking about ourselves. This is a this one to me is really hard because I feel like it it our culture is it's just we we live realistically we live in a narcissistic culture mm-hmm. um it is all about self mm-hmm. yeah and she has a chart in here about um what's cultural and what's countercultural. so the cultural idea is put yourself first the countercultural biblical idea is put up with the failings of others um the cultural idea is to count your likes and accomplishments. The counter-cultural idea is to count others as more significant than yourselves. So, yeah, there's lots of ideas that are cultural that aren't necessarily biblical. Yeah, and I think she actually kind of nails it for me when she says, it's vital that we keep our life, loves, and actions properly ordered. And that's what it really is. It's about putting God first Mm-hmm. and others second and and we are not actually a part of that but then by putting god first it 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 kind of resets things to the proper order and and then we are blessed and we are um there's so much that comes from just putting god first and serving others that cuz it's not it's not just like this martyr where we just do everything for all people all the time i don't no. i don't want to no. ever suggest that that's what we mean Um, but she does she gives um, she names names in this book you guys (laughs) and sometimes I find it a little uncomfortable um, because she is calling some people to account and and saying people who have written popular Christian books yeah and so um, 
but she gives she compares some of those stories to the life of Elizabeth Elliot and anyone who knows who Elizabeth Elliot is she just personified a life lived for Christ um, which is just so beautiful um, and she said Elizabeth Elliot said that the secret is Christ in me not me in a different set of circumstances mm, that's good so that's chapter five and then the last one the last phrase um, is authenticity is everything and like you said Shannon this one at first is like well isn't that good isn't authenticity good um, but she goes on to say too that this is one of those ones where we need to make sure we define our terms properly because there's biblical authenticity and uh, uh, false authenticity really like mm -hmm. she says if you search the internet you'll find all sorts of working definitions um, such as living your life according to your own values and goals so that again is self um, guided and that that makes it maybe it's true for you but we're not looking for what's true for you we're looking for the truth um, and and the ultimate definition that she really likes is real or genuine not copied or false and so what is that based on mm -hmm. yeah and she she talks about authenticity being who we are in Christ, our identity in Christ. And, you know, if we think of Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. Authenticity really begins with a death. Specifically, it's a death to self and a reorientation toward living for Christ. That's, that's who we are. That's the real us. Right. And so living according to the truth like the absolute of truth is the most authentic way to live because that's what we're made for. Mm -hmm. um, and she also goes into a lot of, because um, we, we also hear the term about justice that is said in our culture quite pervasively at this time. And, um, and God does condemn injustice. Of course he does. But the point of that is, is because God, that's who he is. That's his very nature. He is just. So he defines what justice is. Not, um, we don't get to define that. So based on God's justice, that's what we need to look at. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, she goes on to say, when we make Christ the foundation of everything, the self will fall naturally into its rightful place, which will free us to live in real authenticity. Um, so yeah, we, we just have to have things in the right order, the right priorities. Yeah, the order of things is, is really important. And um, also, I think when, when we hear an argument about something, we need to remember that we don't need to accept the, the basis of the argument. She gives an example of um, the statement, which is a false statement, that you can either be real about your own desires, inclinations, and true self, or you can be fake, a pushover, passive spectator of your own life. Well, that's an example of, it's not one or the other there. It actually isn't. It's not that, of course, no one wants to be a doormat, but... But that's not what the other option is. So um, I think when we are looking at some of these things, we need to keep that in mind that maybe what's being presented to us is just not true on all levels. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And she makes it clear, too, that um, authenticity is not unimportant. The lie that we're talking about is that authenticity is everything. 
Um, but it's not everything. And then she says, do you want to know what is everything? God's holiness. That's everything. And so she talks about this idea of us pursuing holiness because we're pursuing Christ. And that's that's what we're called to do. Right. So that is the ultimate. Uh, we're in a process of, we are not perfect yet, but we are in a process of being sanctified through Christ. And, and therefore, she says, to live out biblical authenticity is to celebrate the beauty of the unique gifts, talents, and personalities that God created in each of us. Mm-hmm. And, but it is also to acknowledge that sin has marred those traits. And without the cleansing blood of Christ, our particular strengths can be turned into sinful weapons. Mm-hmm. So that's a bit of a hard way to end, but, but it's good, and I hope it challenges you today. So we are joined today by a very special guest, her and every guest we have is special. Um, this guest, Helena Schmidt, did I say that right, Helena? Yeah, yeah. Okay, um, we, I have actually never spoken to before today, but I have heard you speak because I've heard your story uh, at different times. And so one of the things I know about you already is that um, you are very well spoken in your writing. I'm, I'm, you have very, very gifted writing um, as you share. And so uh, we're looking forward to getting to know you a little bit better today as you share with us. So welcome. Thank you for having me. So, um, yeah, as, just we get, as we get started here, Lena, if you just want to tell us a little bit about yourself, your family, um, what you do, what a typical day looks like in your season of life. Um, so I have five siblings, four brothers and a twin sister. Uh, I work at a yarn warehouse in Listowel. A typical day in my life right now is pretty busy. I recently took on a project at church for filming and editing faith stories which Shannon knows all about. Mm-hmm. Um, so editing keeps me busy in the evenings. If I'm not doing that, I'm looking for other ways to stay busy. I don't really enjoy being still. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, okay, I just have to backtrack. You work at Spin, right? Yep. It's one of my very favorite stores. Oh, I bet it is. <laughs> yes, there's a natural connection right yes, there. there is. Are you here in the warehouse, though? Yeah. So I wouldn't see you probably. Yeah. Yeah, that's and you're really a twin. Yeah. I didn't know that. I know. I, I heard the twin, and I'm like, that's really cool. And I'm like, oh, she <laughs> works at the yarn store. <laughs> uh, that's yeah, that's cool. I did not know you were a twin. So that's, uh, uh, I've always thought it would be so fun to have a twin. Yeah. It, does your family live in the area? Yeah, they're all kind of in the area or close to Wingham. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Kind of all, in my opinion, that's close. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Sure. Yeah. For sure. Yep. Yeah. Great. Good. Well, um, in this series on the podcast, we are talking about truth or lies, and we're talking about some popular deceptions. And so uh, that's what we'll be talking about in the next little bit. Um, Can you think back to something you believed as a child that turned out to be completely wrong? Do you guys know the mineral mica by any chance? No. Okay, it's um, it's what makes rocks shiny. Okay, um, yeah. So um, I thought they were diamonds. Uh. Yeah. So as a kid, I would <laughs> smash them with a rock and pick out the diamonds. <laughs> and uh, and you could you could separate yeah, them. I oh wow! Just picking them out and um, yeah. So I thought they were tiny diamonds, and I thought it was rich. <laughs> turns out I'm still broke. Sadly, <laughs> sadly you're not. So. I bet they looked cool. How much did you collect before you? realized you were wrong 
I don't even remember. I remember um, throwing them away when my brother laughed at me. Oh. <laughs> After that, it was kind of just no more. Because I bet they were beautiful. Yeah. That's really cool. That's um, a fun story. So uh, on a little bit more of a serious note, that's um, can you give an example of something that you see in our current culture, and I know we're going to go deep quickly here, um, that is being portrayed as a truth, but it's really a lie. Something that I see in our culture right now that is portrayed as truth, but really is a lie, would be that homosexuality is not a sin. Because the word homosexual is in the Bible, most people in the LGBTQ community try looking deeper into the meaning by going to older Bibles. In some of the verses of an older Bible, you might find a verse that would say, a man shall not lie with young boys, where in a more recent Bible, that would be replaced with man shall not lie with man. So they assume that they're talking about pedophilia, not homosexuals. Suddenly they drop the search for right and wrong because their lifestyle has now been justified. This is when they claim to be gay Christians. Because of this one word, so many people that are searching for Jesus are led astray because they stop looking as soon as they hear that their lifestyle has been justified. And they just stop searching. Even if we removed the word homosexual from every single Bible, it wouldn't even make a difference. It still falls under another sin mentioned in the Bible, sexual immorality. Um, Helena, do you have an example in your personal journey of something you truly believe to be true but subsequently discovered was not? This could be something about your own identity or something in culture where the messaging did not line up with the truth. So when I became a believer, that was when I found out that this community that I was a part of believed that homosexuality wasn't a sin. After that, I was what they would call a gay Christian. After I found an answer that justified how I was living, the Holy Spirit led me to digging deeper before making a conclusion. So I found the word sexual immorality. A definition I found was sexual, sexual immorality implies behavior contrary to the accepted moral code. Sexual immorality may therefore include any sexual deviation as well as deviant marriage patterns. If you can deviate from something, then there has to be an original to deviate from. Um, God's design for marriage and sexual relations is very clearly written in Genesis chapter 2, verse 24. It says, That is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. So anything that deviates from this design has been named things like homosexuality, adultery, and sexual immorality, and all of these are sin. If they want to change the meaning of a word in the Bible, it almost doesn't even make a difference. Conversations in context of a story still says homosexuality is not okay. For instance, look at Genesis chapter 19 when they talk about Sodom and Gomorrah. It says, But before they lay down, the men of the city, both young and old, all the people to the last man, surrounded the house. And they called to Lot. Where are the men who came to you tonight? Bring them to us, that we may know them. Lot went out to the men at the entrance, shut the door after him, and said, 
I beg you, my brothers, do not act so wickedly. This is, pre this is pretty clearly showing homosexuality. If that isn't enough, keep going and go to the book of Jude. Verse 7 says, Just as Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding cities, which likewise indulged in sexual immorality and pursued unnatural desire, serve as an example by undergoing a punishment of eternal fire. If you've read chapter 19 of Genesis, you know that Sodom and Gomorrah were destroyed by God by raining down sulfur and fire, destroying everything and everyone in that area. There's so much evidence in God's word showing that homosexuality is sin. I believed that same-sex relationships were okay, but the truth is they really aren't. God's word and God's design proves it. So you've been on quite a journey. Interesting one for sure. <laughs> mm -hmm. Quite a journey, and and it's interesting because so much of what you're saying um, just accentuates the fact that we might be using the same words, but we don't. If we don't define them the same way, mm -hmm. we're not actually communicating effectively. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's really important. Yeah, so something you thought was, was okay, even by God's standards, mm -hmm. you found out later just by, you know, simple definition of terms was actually not right. Right. Yeah. And it also then speaks to how important it is to know the whole Bible mm -hmm. and in its context and what's being said there. Mm -hmm. yeah. Really, really good things. Um, so, Helena, then what advice do you have for increasing our discernment, our ability to discern the truth um, instead of lies. Um, some advice I would give is if we really want to be able to tell the difference between truth and lies, um, we need to stay alert. We need to get into God's word and see what he says about our current situations. The reason I say if we really want to know the truth is because so many people let their feelings get in the way of the truth. Mm. But if you really are looking for the truth, then the Holy Spirit will help you and guide you to the truth. I know I need to rely on the Holy Spirit, God's Word, and even praying for discernment. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's so good and so true mm -hmm. for everyone. Yeah, yeah. And it's so easy to... like we, we has, It's not something to only do once a week mm -hmm. or once a month, right? It has to be constant. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's that renewing of our mm -hmm. minds, the washing of our minds with the water yeah. of the Word. Yeah, yeah that's ongoing. For sure. Well, Helena, we ask every guest this question. It's kind of our signature question for the Mosaic podcast. Can you tell us about a time in your life where you have felt broken, but God turned it into something beautiful? Me and a group of friends recently went to a Pride event to hand out gospel tracts. And as I looked out at the crowd, I said to myself, this is Sodom and Gomorrah. There is no hope here. God has given them up to the desires of their heart. Then a small and gentle voice asked me, Where have you come from? Where are you now? Every person in this room is proof that God is alive and has not stopped working. When I was searching for Pride events to attend in my area, I came across a church that was celebrating Pride Sunday. My first, my first thought was sending the church a huge email describing how deceived they were, telling them homosexuality is wrong, quoting scriptures at them, and even warning them that if they don't repent for leading others astray, that they'll be held accountable. So when I finally simmered down and put my feelings aside, I prayed and was led by the Spirit to email them in a kind and non-threatening way. 
Since then, I've been keeping her busy with questions that will hopefully lead her to the knowledge of the truth. It became very clear to me right in the beginning that she didn't know the truth. If I would have emailed her all the things I felt about her church, she would have blocked me and I would have I would never get a chance to tell her the good news. The same goes for everyone else in the LGBTQ community. We tend to let our feelings on their lifestyle get in the way of showing them grace. Those feelings sometimes even ruin close relationships. When I came out as a lesbian, one of my best friends shunned me. He wouldn't look at me or even talk to me. What made it worse was he was a Christian. Instead of walking beside me and having the perfect chance to tell me about Jesus, he shoved me away, leaving me angry and even more depressed. So for anyone with friends or family struggling in the LGBTQ community, pray that one of the Lord's workers will cross their path and drop a seed. It usually takes a specific person to say a specific thing to help open their eyes to the truth. Praise God that he has sent workers out into the field. One of the main reasons people even go to an affirming community is to find what they couldn't find from their family and friends. Acceptance and unconditional love. You abandoning that person will leave them depressed and looking for worse places to fill that abandonment. So they go where they are accepted and encouraged to keep going down the path they are going. You don't leave someone when they are fighting with cancer. You stay by their side and continue praying for them. Do the same for your loved ones. 2 Timothy 2, 24 to 26 says, And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. God may perhaps grant them repentance leading to a knowledge of the truth, and they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. If you remember anything from tonight, remember that Jesus came full of grace and truth, and we should do the same. We are um, just so thankful to you for for sharing a little bit of your story and being... It's it's a vulnerable thing to share your story and Mm -hmm. not know who's going to be listening. And so thank you very much. Mm -hmm. So, Helena, we like to end every episode with a few rapid-fire questions about your favorite things. Okay. So here we go. What's your favorite food? McDonald's. (laughs) (laughs) My daughter would agree wholeheartedly. Smart kid. (laughs) <laughs> I have two kids that worked in McDonald's, and that has definitely made it fun. Uh, yeah, I bet. I bet. Your favorite hobby? Probably editing. Editing oh, video. Yeah, yeah you're yeah. really good at that. That's great. Oh, That's great. Um, are you a reader? Your favorite book? Mm, I can't get into a book unless I actually learn something from it. Okay. So right now it's only the Bible because yeah. other things I can't really get into. Yeah, that's so, good. Well, that you that's terrible. I just can't believe it's the only reason so bad. <laughs> Great answer. <laughs> um, what is your favorite season of the year? Spring. Spring. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Nice. Very good. Well, Helena, it's been a joy to talk to you. Thank you so much for coming and sharing your story and um, your thoughts with us. Thank you. So for our art piece, uh, I want to remind you that I have set out for this series to just challenge all of us, myself included, to do a bit of a dive into poetry because we 
even as a Western culture, we st- we struggle with poetry, and and when I think that roughly thirty three percent of the Bible is made up of poetry, God is asking us to embrace poetry, and and so we're going to do that again today. Um, the next two episodes, I'm actually going to highlight some poems from a man named Wendell Berry. He is um, an American writer. I actually have in my hand a book. It's called This Day, and this book, which is actually quite thick, you can attest to that, Shannon. It's very thick. (laughs) And it is made up of poems that he collected and wrote himself as on, on Sabbath days. So he would go for a walk on a Sunday or whenever his Sabbath is, and and these are poems that he um, so generated. Like so, they're they're poems of praise and um, reverence, and and they're quite beautiful. Um, I am not going to destroy them by reading them. I have um, found um, another poet actually, who's I we've had him on. I um, had him here on the episode before where we've highlighted some of his work, Malcolm Guite, and I mean. You have to, you owe it to yourself to go on this link and find him because he just looks like a big Santa Claus. (laughs) He does. (laughs) And he just, you just want to like be in the room where he is and listen to him. He's brilliant. And he looks like the like walking definition of the absent-minded professor. (laughs) He's got books everywhere. And yeah, there's just so much. So I'm gonna um, I'm gonna let him read this poem here in a second, um, but he's gonna go into a little bit of explanation about it, um, which I just think is is gonna be helpful and set us up for this poem. So here we go. And then I'll read you one he wrote twenty years afterwards in, in near Atari time. I go among trees and sit still. All my staring becomes quiet around me, like circles on water. My tasks lie in their places where I left them, asleep like cattle. Then what is afraid of me comes and lives a while in my sight. What it fears in me leaves me, and the fear of me leaves it. It sings, and I hear its song. Then what I'm afraid of comes. I live for a while in its sight. And what I fear in it leaves it. And the fear of it leaves me. It sings. And I hear its song. After days of labor, mute in my consternations, I hear my song at last. And I sing it. As we sing, the day turns, the trees move. So he goes on in this um, reading to just sort of point out a few things that I'm going to highlight here for you. Um, The phrase, my tasks lie in their places where I left them, asleep like cattle. That resonated with me a lot because I hold tight to my tasks. And um, he... Barry is saying that 
If you just let them go, they stay there. You don't have to keep poking and stirring them. They'll wait. They'll be there when you come back. Just go for a while among the trees. And then it goes on to talk about the fact that when I'm still, I'm no threat. Um, and so there's just some really beautiful images here. I recommend highly you to um, find the link and listen to his full talk on this because um, he goes into some, some beautiful detail. So I hope you enjoy that today. We've come to our Bible teaching time in our series, Truth or Lie. And on, last, on the last podcast, we talked about the fact that God is truth and Jesus is the truth. So truth is not relative. It's based on the character and the ways of God. Uh, when Jesus is on trial, just before his crucifixion, Pilate asks an important question. Listen to this passage from John 18. So Pilate entered his headquarters again and called Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Do you say this of your own accord, or did others say it to you about me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests had deli have delivered you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews, but my kingdom is not from the world. Then Pilate said to him, So you are a king? Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world, to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Pilate said to him, What is truth? And I think that's an important question, one that is uh, discussed a lot in our current culture. What is truth? Jesus said that he came into the world to bear witness to the truth. And truth, as you know, is found in the word of God. Since God is true and cannot lie, everything that he's written in his book is true. The Bible reveals truth as a moral concept rooted in God's character. And as Christians, we believe the Bible is the foundation of all truth. Psalm 119, 160 says, The sum of your word is truth, and every one of your righteous rules endures forever. God's law and instructions outline the way of truth that is meant to lead people to him. The truth of God's word also holds sanctifying power for the believer. In his high priestly prayer on the night before he was crucified, Jesus asked the Father, Make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. As we deepen our knowledge and insight into God's word, it's truth that will set us free. And I found this to be true in my own life. This is one of my favorite verses in all of scripture. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. That's John 8, 31 and 32. We want to be able to handle God's word rightly. 2 Timothy 2.15 says, Do your best to present yourselves to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. So as the definition of truth is changing in our world, and it is, we need to stand on the authority and reliability of the Bible. It was true, 
it is true and it always will be true and that is the standard that we need to live our lives by and you know ultimately jesus himself said i am the way the truth and the life Mm -hmm. and so i feel like it's even deeper than scripture itself scripture is a a way that we discover truth but it's jesus himself who's Mm -hmm. truth thank you so much shannon for sharing that we are praying that as uh, you have been listening and continue to listen that you will be having questions coming up where you're thinking what about this and oh what about this am i thinking correctly about this and we hope that you will be seeking out the truth um that that's our prayer um and it's our prayer for us too because we know we don't have everything perfectly right and so Uh, We want to thank Helena so very much for sharing her story with us today. We are so grateful for each one who comes and and is vulnerable and open about their lives. And and we're going to close today in the prayer uh, that is prayed by Paul in Philippians 1, where it says, And I pray this, that your love may abound even more and more in knowledge and in every kind of insight, so that you can decide what is best and thus be sincere and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Thank you for listening to the Mosaic Podcast, a podcast for the women of Wallenstein Bible Chapel where we meet one another in story, in art, and in Christ. You can subscribe by going on Spotify, Apple Podcast, or Google Podcast so that you will be notified when the next show drops. Also, please be sure to check out our show notes for more details and join in the conversation on either Facebook at mosaic.podcast.wbc or on Instagram at mosaic.podcast. We pray that you will be inspired and encouraged as you travel your own personal journey from brokenness to beauty.